Hello, this is Dr. Tom O'Brien, and today we're mapping the ACE2 receptor on the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on using the functional nutrition matrix, what I believe to be the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The functional nutrition matrix reminds us of three very important factors in clinical care. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things our clients and patients do or don't do each and every day and throughout the day have an impact on their outcomes. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I'll be speaking again with my friend, Dr. Tom O'Brien. Dr. Tom O'Brien is an internationally recognized and sought-after speaker and workshop leader specializing in wheat, its impact on health, and the development of autoimmune diseases as they occur inside and outside of the intestines. He holds teaching faculty positions with the Institute for Functional Medicine and the National University of Health Sciences. He's trained and certified tens of thousands of practitioners around the world in advanced understanding of the impact of wheat sensitivity and the development of individual autoimmune diseases. Dr. Tom O'Brien is founder of thedoctor.com and the visionary behind the Gluten Summit, A Grain of Truth. You likely already know Dr. Tom, and I also know you're going to love another deep dive with him as much as I did. So let's get to the topic at hand, those ACE2 receptors we're hearing so much about right now. Dr. Tom, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be with you. I've got a big smile on my face. Me too. It's been way too long, and I'm so excited about the topic that we're discussing today because of its specificity and also its relevancy right now. So the ACE2 receptor, tell us a little bit about it and why it's important. Well, it's critically important for a couple of reasons. A lot of what I'm talking about now is the impact of the development of sepsis. And of course, with um, COVID-19, sepsis is the game changer. If uh, people are put in intensive care, it's because they've got the symptoms of sepsis and Mm -hmm. the mortality rate's extremely high. But that's an accumulative process that goes on for years and years and years, accumulating LPS. Because people don't feel when they have LPS uh, uh, immigration from the gut through a leaky gut into the bloodstream, but this stuff accumulates everywhere. And it's the ACE2 receptor that has a protective effect 
against LPS accumulation in the lungs. Mm. I mean, there's two studies I've read talk about that, that the ACE2 receptor is a game changer in terms of protecting us from an excessive inflammatory response. The problem with this current pandemic is that this, this virus, the SARS-CoV-2, gets intracellularly through the ACE2 receptor. So it puts people at grave risk if they have ACE2 uh, receptor inhibition, such as if they're taking medications for high blood pressure or something like that, and they don't have that, that protective effect that ACE2 usually gives us. Uh, and if the virus, as far as I know, this virus, it, it, it doesn't reproduce. You know, no virus reproduces. It, it sheds. Mm -hmm. And it only sheds intracellularly. It's got to get inside the cell to do that. And when a, the virus sheds inside the cell, the only way it can do that, now I'm not a virologist, but this is what I've been reading, is that at least a major inhibition to viral shedding intracellularly is the zinc level mm. intracellular, that zinc inhibits viral shedding. That's the whole platform behind hydroxychloroquine and why they've used hydroxychloroquine for the last 60 years with malaria mm -hmm. is that it prevents any type of shedding inside the cell because hydroxychloroquine is a zinc ionophore. That's a great geek term. What's an, <laughs> what's, what's an ionophore? An ionophore escorts zinc inside the cell. So your serum levels of zinc are important, but it's the intracellular level that's functionally most important. You've got to get the zinc inside the cell. So I want to get to the zinc and talk about that a little bit more. I just Let's back up a little bit so we understand. So ACE2 in general, it's a protein, right? It's on the surface of the cell. How does it work? Where is it found in the body? How can we understand this importance and how it's working functionally a little bit better as practitioners? It's, it's throughout the body. I mm -hmm. don't know that it's uh, in every cell. I, I don't know that, but I know it's throughout the body, and that's why symptoms are systemic and if you have dysfunction there. Uh, the, the primary thing that really caught my attention is its protective effects against LPS-induced inflammation. Interesting. And that's a critical component. 250,000 people die in the U.S. every year from sepsis. 1.7 million are diagnosed every year with sepsis. The mortality rate of 250,000 is greater than breast cancer, prostate cancer, and AIDS combined. I mean, this is a big problem today, and it's usually the elderly one out of three elders in a hospital die with sepsis. And these stats are all from the CDC. Uh, and so it's a huge problem that I don't hear very many people talking about because we don't think about the decades of accumulation of LPS in us because it doesn't produce symptoms right away. Right. And, and what ACE2 does is it inhibits the LPS accumulative inflammatory response of toll-like receptor 4. Mm -hmm. that's, how, that's how ACE2 works to protect us from LPS, is via toll-like receptor 4, which coincidentally is the same receptor that gets activated with every exposure to wheat. Whether you're a celiac or not, every human activates toll-like receptor 4 within five minutes of wheat coming out of the stomach 
into the small intestine. Every human, every time. You read the science and you go, what? So that would be one of our mediators negatively. Are, do we all have the same amount of these receptors from the get-go? Are there people that are just intrinsically set up without the protective mechanism more than others? What other triggers might we be thinking about that would impair the function of these receptors in the body? Really good question. Uh, I think, and I'm not an expert on this, but I, I've operated from the concept that it's more a wear and tear mm, situation. Okay. You know, over decades of just slowly wearing this system down, working it too hard, working it too hard, and depleting its functional capabilities. That's the way that I've always looked at it. And um, I haven't seen any papers that talk about the accumulative wearing down of ACE2 receptors by LPS infiltration. I haven't seen that, but it's kind of a one plus one equals two kind of thing. Yeah, like a accumulation of the insults over time, which may be why we're seeing the elderly more impacted because they've had that wear and tear over time, correct? Exactly, exactly. And that's why one out of three elders that die in a hospital die from sepsis is because they've had decades of slow accumulation of this toxic debris, this LPS, just accumulating in their system. And then here comes this current virus, and if their ACE2 receptors are compromised and the virus can get through into the cell, which is where it starts shedding, and if your zinc levels are low, you've got a perfect storm. Got it. So we know gluten is providing some of this wear and tear. You had started to talk a little bit about the protective properties of zinc, serum zinc, zinc in the system. What else should we be thinking about through diet and lifestyle modification that can support the either the regeneration or the lack of an inhibition of these cells that helps us to stay in the protective realm? Really good question. You know, um, I go back to hydroxychloroquine, which got me into this whole dynamic and just going down the rabbit tunnel. Which you're so good at and bringing it forward to us. So I appreciate your rabbit tunnels. Oh, thank you. Well, this is a really funny one. I like this one a lot. You know, um, in the 1800s, the late 1800s, when the British were in India, um, they were given quinine to protect them against malaria. Well, that's where hydroxychloroquine came from. It's the quinine. And because quinine comes from the fever tree, the bark of the fever tree, and it's a very powerful zinc ionophore. That's its primary function. And so the British were given quinine, but it tastes so bitter. They put a little bit of fruit juice and a little bit of sugar with it. And that's where the song came from. Just a little bit of sugar makes yeah. the medicine go down. That's where it came from. Yeah. And so, and with that though, they got permission to include a teaspoon of gin. Thus was <laughs> born the gin and tonic. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> you know, I like those little geeky things. Are I fun love to know, that too. That's, that's where gin and tonics came from because tonic water is high in quinine. Mm. And when I read this, my wife and I started having a little tonic water every day. And mm. there's no evidence that tonic water is going to prevent you getting a COVID-19 reaction to an exposure to the virus. There is no evidence. So please 
hear me on this, but there's a tremendous amount of evidence that quinine is a very powerful zinc ionophore, and there's a tremendous amount of evidence that intracellular zinc inhibits SARS-CoV-2 from shedding. So, you know, we're having a little quinine water every day. I, we, we dilute it 50-50. I put a slice of lime in there. No sugar. And, uh, no sugar. No sugar. Because <laughs> that, that would be counter <laughs> to what our goals are here. Well, you know, that's important to realize is that most tonic waters you buy are very high in sugar. Right. And you've got to be careful. You have to read the label because there are uh, uh, some large brand tonic waters don't even have quinine. They are, they are chemical derivatives to copy the taste. But when you get true tonic water that's with quinine, most companies also have a light version. And uh, the company Fever Tree is the one that we use. And they've got five different tonic waters. And they have an India. Well, there's also an India light. And that one is less than a third the sugar of the others. And so that's the one we use. And you know, I've talked to many patients about this and in many interviews. And I'm very clear. There's no evidence drinking right. tonic water. But it can't cure. hurt. Can't it hurt. can't hurt. We, we, when we connect the dots, and this is what I love about causative versus correlative information, and we'd be silly to ignore some of the correlative information that doesn't yes. hurt, that can help. So going exactly. back to zinc, talking about helping and hurting, one of the things that worries me as a practitioner, Dr. Tom, is that when we hear these things, the importance of zinc, people start over supplementing and bringing the body into states of imbalance because yes. of the importance of the nutrients. So what are you recommending around uh, serum zinc and how we make sure we have enough zinc in our system that we don't have a deficiency, but we don't have an over sufficiency, which can also cause imbalances? Really good point, really good point. There are many good multiples out there that'll carry 20 to 40 milligrams of zinc in them. Usually it's balanced with a number of other minerals. And of course, it's critically important if you take too much zinc and you, you can cause a copper deficiency and then right. there's all kinds of problems with that. Uh, but I've told all of our patients, you know, take a zinc tablet. If your multiple currently doesn't have between 20 and 40 milligrams of zinc in it, Take a little extra zinc, get something that's somewhere in the range of 20 to 40 milligrams, and take it every other day right now during this time of crisis just to make sure you have enough. And I've never seen evidence that that's anywhere near a dose that's going to cause an insufficiency of other uh, minerals. Perfect. And before we hit record, you were talking a little bit about the blue zones and how we live in a way that overall can help with what we're seeing with the ACE2 receptors and the LPS. Can you talk a little bit more into that in terms of our how-tos for our clients and patients? You bet. You bet. And of course, it's our friend and mentor, Jeff Bland, who mm -hmm. started talking about this back in January, that SARS-CoV-2 and the manifestations of that in COVID-19 is a lifestyle disease. And it's how we've lived our lives up to this point that determines whether or not we're gonna get sick with an exposure to this virus. We've all heard that over 80% of the people exposed to the virus never knew they were exposed. And there's some another 10% maybe uh, will have a light fever, a sore throat, 
a little diarrhea for a couple of days and then they're fine. And then the rest um, have more serious symptoms and they may even have to go to the hospital. So what is it that that 70 to 80% never knew they were exposed, but when they do an antibody test, they've now got antibodies to this virus, so they were exposed. What is it about their lifestyle that has them with a strong enough immune system, they never knew that they were exposed. Their immune system did the job. Right. And, and I'm telling people that if you got a light fever for a couple of days and you were fine after that, thank your body, say yeah. thanks for rallying up. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if you got a fever, your body, your immune system wasn't capable of taking care of this. It had to call up the reserves. A light fever is not something to blow off. It says, I needed to bring the big guns in here yeah. to get this job done. So don't forget that, is if your patients got well in a couple of days and they're breathing a sigh of relief and now they've got antibodies, it's also a biomarker to you that this person may need a little guidance on how their immune system's functioning right now. So with that in mind, I remind everyone that where does the pedal hit the metal? in a strong, vital, long lifestyle, uh, uh, living a long life without being on medications, not put out to pasture in a retirement home, but being a, a, um, a valuable uh, component of society, making a contribution and you know, in your 80s and 90s and still functional and everyday engaging with people. That's the blue zones. That's the only science that I've ever seen where multiple cultures around the world practice these nine traits. They all have these nine traits in common, and that is what um, they found creates a blue zone culture. So from that perspective, we all should read the blue zones just to remind us about what kind of a lifestyle is our target or our goal. Where do we want to go with all this? I think the important reminder for me of this whole situation, and not just a reminder, but a call to action for the type of practitioners that we both train, Dr. Tom, is that diet and lifestyle modification are critically important. And the truth is healthcare isn't spending enough time looking at the reality of those modifications. And this is really a time where we have to step up, step in, not be afraid to talk about the importance of these changes and hold what it takes to make the transitions. It's not just about supplementation. It's about how we live our lives. Our patients, our societies are trained to think, what's the pharmaceutical approach to fix this? Or if I'm holistic, what's the nutraceutical approach to fix this? Yes. You know, that's still just a shotgun approach dealing with a symptom pattern. And what Dr. Bland was talking about, this is a lifestyle situation. Yes. And it's a reminder for all of us to talk to our people about how they're currently living their life and developing a game plan over an extended length of time because you don't change lifestyle in a month. You certainly can transition eating styles and food selections, but lifestyle to include all of the nine components of the blue zone, uh, it, it, it takes a couple of years minimum to do that. But people won't do that if they're not guided to be thinking about that. Exactly. I always say dietary change and lifestyle modification are not a handout. 
it's different right. for each and every one of us. And it takes time and support and guidance and reminders and accountability and community. So I want to thank you, Dr. Tom, for bringing this all forward. If there's anything else you feel like you really want to share about the ACE2 receptors, please do so now. I want to make sure we don't cut you short because you always have so much to share, but this has been so beneficial. Oh, thank you. For those that enjoy doing a little research, just Google polyphenols mm. and ACE2 receptor or Google quercetin and ACE2 receptors. And those are the two primary mechanisms that you want to encourage in your patients is to have more polyphenols in their diet. The colors of the rainbow, the more brilliant the color, the better. And quercetin is the one supplement that's been shown to be a potent mm. zinc ionophore to get zinc inside the cell. And so those two components become uh, 101 when you're dealing with clients and trying to make sure they have intracellular protection against this viral shedding. Perfect. Non-negotiables for us to tune into. Thank you again, Dr. Tom. So much fun to hang out with you. Thank you, Andrea. Real pleasure. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix team features music by Gilbert Nakayama with production support from Renee Hunt, Natalie Merrill, and Christine Shook with mixing and editing by Rowan Bradley. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified each time there's a new podcast episode by email, please go to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. We'll drop into your inbox with a super short reminder that a new episode is ready for you. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.